Yesterday, uh, uh, the first day of the year, 2023, we began our 40 days of prayer, Risen King Church joining with the Christian Missionary Alliance all over the, all over the world and doing 40 days of, of intentional prayer together. There's a, there's a workbook devotional uh, that you can access on our website, risenking.live. And uh, today we're going to do day two. Now, day two uh, follows uh, the theme from, from yesterday, that prayer is worship. And so the, the, the topic of today is the name of God. Now, in, the, in Proverbs verse 18, uh, chapter 18, verse 10, one of these great verses of Proverbs, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Now, you know that Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And when we talk about wisdom, we're talking about the ability that you as a person, as a, a follower of Christ, as a a person who loves God, believes in God, trusts in God, that wisdom is your ability to make right choices, but especially in situations that you face where the moral law or the moral rules do not address. For example, you could be thinking about marrying a person and the person uh, that you're thinking about fits morally. They're a moral person. They're a, a Christian. They're, you know, they, they fit into that category. But wisdom is, but is that the right person for you? So you have to, you have to have the ability to make right choices even when there's no moral law against what you're doing. The same could be true of a job you choose. You could you could have two perfectly legitimate job offers and one would make you miserable and the other would cause you to flourish. So wisdom is being able to discern what will make you flourish, what will help you to navigate this life well. So the, the interesting thing about the book of Proverbs to me is it's, it's not really a book about the right choices. It's really a book about becoming the person who makes the right choices. Not primarily telling you all the right choices to make, but about how you develop into the person who makes those right kind of choices. And, and one, of the, one of the major issues in the book of Proverbs, and, and it's addressed in a way by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life now is that there's an issue that all of us have with self-control. Notice the fruit of the Spirit is not controlling others or even having control over all your circumstances, but the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And, and what we see in Proverbs is people have always had an issue with self-control. And this is in a way, the, the lack of self-control destroys, destroys our ability to op operate, navigate in wisdom. 
and to navigate life well. Psalm 23, uh, sorry, Proverb 23, verses 19 through 21, it speaks about the person who makes the choice to get drunk. And it speaks about the person who makes the choice to binge eat, to eat and eat and eat. And so it's making clear that these, are, these aren't people who are a one-time kind of thing where they messed up and drank too much or they messed up and ate too much. You know, it's talking about people who, in order to deal with their life and the pain in their life and the struggles that they're facing, is that they go to other substances to either numb or dull the pain and, and, and Proverbs 23 says that when you do that, when you, when you lack that ability as a person to make those right choices, it says you destroy your family, you destroy your community. You don't just destroy yourself. And it also says that you live your life in a, in a sleepiness, in a drowsiness, in a, in a, a half-awake state. So... Proverbs goes on and says in uh, Proverbs 25, talking about this, uh, a person who does not understand their own spirit. And it says, a person who cannot understand their own spirit is like a city without walls. Now, when the, when the Old Testament talks about your spirit, it, 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 it refers back to the wind that the wind that moves the sails. So it's, it's really talking about those innermost motives. It's talking about those innermost desires that in your heart. And so, so what, the, what the wisdom of the sage here is saying is if you do not understand and will not acknowledge your own inner motives, you're living your life as a city without walls. Now, you have to go back to ancient times and think about what, what was it to be a city without walls? Well, a city without walls in ancient times was a catastrophe waiting to happen or a catastrophe that already had happened. The walls of the city, if you ever visit ancient, you know, medieval cities, the walls of the city were the security of the city. They were the safe guard of the city. And if you had walls, you could have an economy. You could have a market. You could, you could sell your wares. You could make a living. If you had walls, you could protect your family. You could protect the other families in the city. So what is he saying here? He's saying, if you and I do not understand our motives, if we don't understand our desires, if we're not in control of our desires and our motives and our the behaviors that come from those those motives and desires. If we're not in control, then we are a city without walls. And see, when cities had no walls, they had no security. And without a wall, then what happened is every family, every person was scrambling for survival. There was no ability to thrive because there was no way to have security. There was no safety. So here, here's, what, here's what the Bible is teaching, and it's such wisdom. 
is that you and I, we have these inner things. We have these inner, we have this inner life. Our heart, in a way, is, the, is, is in very much the control center of our being. It's not just our thoughts, but, or just our emotions. It's, it's the control center of who we are. And our spirit, our spirit is the wind in our sails. It's what motivates us, what, what inspires us, what, what drives us. And what happens to many of us is, is it's not just that there's the issue of sexual lust, but there's lust, which means there are these over-desires, there are these things that have captured us, and there are these things that have, have obsessed us in some ways. Um, Lisa found, my wife Lisa found this, this uh, watch, this kind of a kid's watch for our granddaughter. And uh, there, are, there's three, there are a couple of functions on this watch. Uh, you can record your own voice, you can take selfies, and you can, take, uh, you can do videos of yourself or of others if you want to. And my granddaughter spent hours, as you called it, podcasting. She was podcasting. And... and it just something about recording her voice and hearing her voice. She's six years old, and and recording these these she called them podcasts, and she just she was so enthralled with it. But we were we were like we were going to go to dinner, and we took it and we hid the watch, <laughs> and uh, she's in the car and she won't talk to us. And and finally, I'm like, I, you know, Allie, why why aren't you talking? We're gonna go eat. We're gonna have a nice time. She says, "Well, I'm I'm sad." And I said, "Why are you so sad? You took my watch. You took my watch. You won't let me have my watch." There are things that so attach, and we attach to. They become not just desires, but they become over desires. And the problem is, if there's anything in your life that becomes one of these over-desires, it makes you a city without walls. It squeezes out everything else, Proverbs says. It makes it to where that over-desire has now captured you. So one way to think of self-control from the scriptures is that you have the ability to choose the important thing over the urgent thing or the obsessive thing. And the reason you have the ability to, to choose the important thing is because your heart is ordered. It's well-ordered. You have a cultivated heart. And the desires of your heart are ordered. So that means, according to Proverbs and and in my own experience, is your ability to experience self-control is dependent on the source of your security. See, true security keeps you from living as a city without walls. Now, if you're living without walls, you're basically crisis after crisis, drama after drama, scrambling for survival, uh, living, whether it's, you know, check to check, living under debt, a cloud of debt, living 
uh, board, all of these things, these are, these are indicators of a city without wall. And some of the things that result from that, certainly substance abuse, even Proverbs talks about this, food and appetite as ways of suppressing emotion, commitments that are, are not just burdensome, but overwhelming to you. Uh, we're living in a day where people's tongues, where they're, what they're saying is out of control. They're speaking without thinking. There are, there are behaviors that many of us are practicing and we go, oh, I can't believe I did that. And I wish I could, I wish I could get that back. Well, if you think about it, if you have a simple breach, you have a simple breach in your walls, it's an opening to the enemy. It's an opening and it's an access to the enemy. So this, this verse that we read, Proverbs 18.10, becomes, becomes our, our focal point. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Now it's interesting because verse 11 is a verse of contrast. It says, the rich imagine their wealth to be a wall that's unscalable. So here is verse 10 where it says, those who truly want to be safe, those who truly want to experience security, it's the name of the Lord that they run into. But there are other people who have an imaginary tower that they believe that is unscalable, their wealth, their position, their power, whatever it might be. And yet the, proverb, the, the writer of Proverbs is saying, there's only one tower in which you're safe, and that's the name of the Lord. But notice, you know, I, I've been to some of these medieval cities in, uh, in France, and one of, the, one of the big, big accomplishments, you know, whether this is a 13th century city or a 14th century or whatever it might be. But one of the big accomplishments was when they could build a tower. Sometimes they put a clock on it. They would build a large, tall tower. And, and when enemies would come, which, you know, if you look at the history, one tribe would come and try to destroy another tribe. Well, when the enemies would come, the bell would be rung and everybody would flee to the strong tower. And they would go up into the tower and they'd be up above their enemies and they would be safe. And they would be, you know, they would be, they would be uh, secure. And so this is what this picture is, is there's an attack. Because what does it say? We run into the tower. We're not, we're not walking in. We're not leisurely coming. We are running into the tower and we are safe. So what's he saying there? Well, he says everyone under attack, everyone who feels their security threatened runs to their ultimate security to be safe. And basically what the Proverbs is saying is everyone has a tower. Some, it's, it's the name of the Lord. Others, it's, it's their wealth. It's their power. It's their position. But verse 11, where it says the, the, the rich believe their wealth is an unscalable wall, it's basically saying they have an, an imaginary high tower. Because the Proverbs is basically saying anything besides God that you look to as your high tower creates spiritual and physically addictive patterns in your life. Now, 
It's interesting to note the Bible never uses the word addiction. That's a psychological word. But the Bible uses the idea of a stronghold, a tower. So the reason it's a stronghold, not merely an addiction, is because there's a spiritual element to it. Whatever you or I have chosen as our ultimate security, where we run to, to feel safe, is our stronghold. And it is a spiritual and emotional stronghold. Now, I was, I, I deal with a lot of people trying to help them get past, um, uh, get past the idea of, of substance abuse, uh, in situations of deliverance or emotional healing or whatever it might be. But I think there's a pattern. And I've read uh, a particular uh, specialist on this who I think helps us understand the pattern of getting into addictions, which usually are also strongholds. First is there's a, a need or a desire to, to experience relief from pain or stress. So you seek to relieve the stress. And as you seek to relieve the stress, you use a substance. Could be drugs, could be alcohol, could be food, could be uh, workaholism, could be any of those things, but you seek. But then the very thing that you're using to relieve the stress creates additional pain on top of the stress. And then the substance itself forms an attachment or you form an attachment with it, it and you get stuck. So the catalyst is that there is a, a need for a tower, a strong tower. But what you use to make you feel safe or less stress can actually be something that then creates pain to go on top of the stress. And then that substance or that relief can actually become something you're stuck with and stuck with you. And this, the specialist says, well, what is it that moves us to the bait of things that get us unhealthy attachments? Well, it's a longing of the heart. And this psychologist says, it's a longing of the heart that only God can fill. So here the, here this, the proverb says to us, Run into the name of the Lord. Then you are safe. Well, how do you, how do, you do that exactly? Well, what, what he's saying here is, because he, he, he uses this very specific description, the name of the Lord. So in a way, what he's saying is that when you are under stress, you have to tell your mind the truth. And that will convert your soul. And your soul will turn from the stress, from the pain, from the other things to the one that you love who makes you feel safe. Perfect love cast out fear. So when, when we see in the scripture something like the name of the Lord, the, the name is not just a name. The name is... is is a, is a descriptor of the characteristics of the person. It's their attributes. So when you're running into the name of the Lord, you're running into who he really is. Now, yesterday I, I went over this a bit because N.T. Wright has this 
really great essay on the authority of God. See, when you're running into the name of God, you're running under the authority of God to work his purposes in your life. His authority is his right and his ability to accomplish all of his purposes in your life. And he will do that by his own, his own power. God, you know, God has this desire. Even in the difficult circumstances of your life, his desire is to get your attention and to get you aligned and, and to get you to desire to work with him, not work apart from him. He doesn't want to bypass you. He wants to include you, involve you. And you see, the more that you're willing to run into and under his name and under his authority, the more you are remade and the more quickly you are remade into his likeness. In a way, we're running into this strong tower because all authority belongs to God. And he has given all authority to Christ. All authority has been given, Jesus said, to me in heaven and on earth. Now, what does that name of God mean? Well, it means he's all loving. He's all wise. He's your creator. He's your redeemer. He's your God. And, and you and I running under his name says, are saying, I trust that the exercise of your authority, the exercise of your power will also be wise and, and just and loving and merciful all at the same time. See, such an interesting thing is God doesn't force you into the tower. You have to run into it. So the way that God exercises his authority is he's not controlling you. He's not crushing you. He's not keeping you in some little box. He's liberating you from your fear. He's liberating you from these things that are oppressing you, threatening you, attacking you. See, security is actually the, the most foundational emotional need of any human being. Why is that? Because the greatest threat to any human being is fear. Um, one of the leading psychologists that I, I read many years ago said, of all our needs, we need acceptance, you know, some aspect of unconditional love. We need a sense of, secure, of significance, worth, and value. We need all those things. But they're all, if I feel loved, it's because I feel safe. If I feel I have, I'm special, if I feel I have importance, then, then I feel safe. And he said the, the most foundational need is to feel safe, to feel secure, which, which literally you could say it, 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 is, it is not to feel afraid. And he said there are two you know, foundational fears. The one is to feel powerless or to have no right or ability of self-determination. And the other is to feel disconnected, that there, there's no connection that you have with anybody else or anything else that's meaningful to you. So you see, God, in his understanding of your spirit, of the broken down walls 
of your inner being is trying to rebuild you with his walls around you. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And so he wants to reveal himself meaningfully to you, but in doing so, he's asking, will you let him anoint you for the work he's calling you to? Will he, you let his spirit within you equip you for the destiny that he has for you? Uh, yesterday in the sermon, I quoted uh, Corey Ten Boom because it, it, it has really been a meaningful quote to me. She said, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. And, and in so many ways, you see, this is where the peace comes from is that it's not the absence of threats it's the presence of the strong tower which means that if my heart has to be ordered enough that I don't run to things that will addict me but I run to the one who will actually keep me safe and right before uh, that passage in, in Philippians where it says, be anxious for nothing, it says, right before that, it says, rejoice in the Lord. Always again, I say rejoice. That's why I was saying, you have to tell your mind the truth, but it also has to convert your soul to love for the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You see, that kind of joy becomes strength because it's not circumstantially based. I'm not rejoicing that I'm having difficulty. I'm not rejoicing that we are having a battle uh, with cancer in Lisa's life. I'm not re- I, that doesn't make me rejoice, but I can rejoice in the Lord in the midst of the battle. Because it's a deep kind of rejoicing. It's an assurance. It's a feeling I have that even though we're facing cancer, even though we're facing difficulties, I have the only thing that matters. I have the Lord. I have the strong tower. When I run into there, I am safe. When I tell my mind the truth that I'm under his authority, that even the dark tunnel, the engineer knows how to get me through it to the light on the other side. See, sometimes there's an absence of happiness. Happiness is comfort. Happiness is having all the things you want or think you need. There's nothing wrong with happiness, but it can twist you. The things that make you happy must point to the source of all your happiness or your joy instead of being the source of your joy. Because what happens is we get attached to the blessings and they can become strongholds instead of being attached to the blesser. See, you cannot have, in a way, self-control without having joy. And you can't have joy without having peace. And peace is confidence and trust in God's wise and good control over your life. So let's take these last couple minutes. And let's acknowledge God's authority over our lives. Let's run under the name. Let's come under the name of God. His name is life. His name is salvation. His loving kindness is better than life. 
Let's pray together. Father, we start this year wanting to see you in a fresh way. And today we run into the name of our God. We run into your character. We run into your attributes. There is no other name. And and yet, at the same time, you give us your name freely. And you have given us life. And you've given us your protection. You've given us your provision. And we run today into that strong tower. And we declare that in you are we are safe. And because we are safe, we can experience peace, confidence, inner equilibrium. Because we are in this strong tower under your name, we can have joy. Not always the happiness that we might want, but the joy that we have what matters most. That your name is now the name by which we can we can call on our God and be heard. And in your name, there is liberation and freedom and power. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.